travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Devot, a Genshin Lore podcast. Last week, we talked about our favorite dynamic duo of Baiju and Chi-Chi. This week, get ready to ball, because we're exploring Surumi Island and the epic story of Rue. Are you looking for some touching visuals to tug at your heartstrings? We'll dry those leaky eye faucets and come on over to our website. It's talesoftabat.com, where you can visit a lore page dedicated to every episode that we do, including Rue, just in case, you know, you need a good cry later. While you're on our site, make sure that you check out links to our past seasons and special episodes, artist spotlights from the community for every episode, wallpapers to download, including some new Fontaine ones, a new resource section that we're creating, and some of our favorite Genshin merch. Let us know what you think of this episode and what you'd like to see in the future by emailing us at talesoftavotpod at gmail.com, following us on Twitter, talesoftavot, or following us on Instagram, talesoftavotpod. Also, feel free to give us a review on any listening platform, such as Apple or Spotify, to help other travelers find lore peoples or, you know, crying people as we will be today because not only are we talking about Rue, we are also talking about Surumi Island and all of the tragedies that have forsaken this little hidden fog-covered island in the very mm. back corner of the map. Do you guys all remember your first time going to Surumi Island? It's like, this shit be foggy. <laughs> <laughs> Just fog everywhere. And I thought, this is so cool. And I think I got a bit into it and I'm like, is that a ghost? Is that a ghost? It was a fucking ghost! And then did you think you were playing Phasmophobia again? A little bit. A little bit. And you know what? My internet died. <laughs> well, there you go. It had to have been. <laughs> it had to be a ghost. I feel like I survived Surumi Island a lot better than I did Phasmophobia. So <laughs> I feel like it's much safer. But yeah, I remember being annoyed by the fog and the mechanic of like having to clear it in order to like, like you couldn't like wander from the path or it would sort of reset you on my phone that annoying at first. Yeah, and because of that little reset that always happened, my first venture into Surumi Island was before I was supposed to be there, but I needed the Golden Wolf Lord's goodies that he gives out. So (laughs) as my friends are nice little champs, we all three of us got into our own individual wave riders and chugged along over to Surumi Island around the outside because you could get around the outside without the fog telling you to push you back and get to the Golden Wolf Lord. It was quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I like accidentally started the quest with Sumida and that's the only reason I went out to Surumi <laughs> Island. I was trying to like clear my quest log. And I didn't have Toma. I don't even know if Toma was out yet. So I didn't need the mushrooms or anything. And I don't need the Golden Wolf Lord for anything. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, whoa, what is this? This is horrifying. (laughs) I wonder if Sumita's actually published a novel by now. It's been a while. I hope. I mean, she's she's out there on her honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) Which involves research. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but... That brings us into a great leeway, not to be confused with the nation, a great segue, if you will, into the quest line that involves Surumi Island and kind of forces you to go there and clear the fog, too. So we run into Sumita, who is an author of sorts, and she... (laughs) uh, she Trying to be. She's trying trying to be. And she's been doing some research on Surumi Island, and she thinks there's like a really cool story she could tell there, and she has put in a request with the Adventurers Guild to have someone go out there and look for a specific piece of equipment that was used at the time to help the people of Surumi Island when they were around, because we also find out that there's no life forces on this island, or at least there's supposed to be no humans on this island. No one lives there. And they had this instrument called the Mashuru, and it was supposed to help people communicate through the quote-unquote sea of darkness. The sea of Quanta? <laughs> uh-huh. The dark God. sea. Um, well, well, yeah, Al, that is my question too. Because like they call it the sea of darkness, but we also know something called the dark sea is around. I think it's one and the same. Because it's also noted that like the dragons were forced to the dark sea. Any of the gods refusing to be under the rule of the seven were forced to the dark sea. Did I just make up in my head though that the dark sea is the space between Inazuma and Sumeru? Yeah, do you we did. Know that? I made no, that you up? made that up. Okay. It should be. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you made that up. The Dark Sea, I think, is under us. Like in Kanamiya? No, it's even further below in Kanamiya. Yeah, it's similar it? to that. I think it could be below. I think we've even assumed that in Kanamiya could be the start 
of the Sea of Darkness or Dark Sea. But they do call it the Sea of Darkness. Now, here's a quick history lesson before we jump in too much to the quest. But the civilization that Sumida has us going back to find this instrument from is thousands of years old. It should predate the Archon War, if I had to have a say. <laughs> in guessing yes. the timeline? <laughs> yes, I believe so. So, you know, what did Sea of Darkness mean to them is a really good question. Mm. Was it just mm. fog <laughs> or was it the Dark Sea? We don't really know. The fog should have been there for this civilization. Yeah, because they were there when the actual fog occurred. They may have had a short little non-foggy time, but for the most part, they've been you know in what? fog. Instead of talking about the story quest, why not jump a little bit into the history of the island? Otherwise, I feel like we're going to be jumping back and forth a lot. So we keep mentioning that the fog, quote unquote, happened. So I'd actually like to take us back even further. So past these thousands of years where we know Rue lived. So let's just put Rue, who is a kid we meet eventually, as our like middleman here. Rue lived thousands of years ago, but prior to Rue living thousands of years ago, there was another nation that lived on this island. Yeah, we could kind of put the entire like timeline of Surumi Island as pre-Thunderbird, Thunderbird, post-Thunderbird. And this is pre-Thunderbird, and it seems like this was part of either a unified civilization or just part of the greater Inazuma civilization at the time, before it had, but before the island of Inazuma became the islands of Inazuma. Yeah, and just a quick clarification for anyone who's wondering what a Thunderbird is. The Thunderbird is also the Thundering Manifestation. It is the boss that you fight on Sarai Island, which mm-hmm. is like the electrocution island. Base. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of electrocution islands on Inazuma, but the really pretty purple one that's near Surumi Island. And they also call that thundering manifestation Kana Kapatsir, we're going to say. Otherwise, I'll just say Kana. And Kana was a god, right? Was not an archon, but a god, I thought. Actually, no, it's it's just a creature. Really? It's referred yes. to as a monster, so yeah, there's different theories about it. Some people think maybe gold made it. Interesting, because I thought the only person who really referred to it as a monster was A. And that's probably when it started becoming called a monster. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know that they worshipped Kana, like the Ruse people. She never became like a true deity. She wasn't an actual god. She didn't have, I guess, like the same qualifications She's more of a spirit of the island. I mean, she could have been a god, and we just don't know. In the same way that... Because Oribashi was a god too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible that it was a god. It's just... It's in conflict with how we think of gods because the story of it really drives home the fact that, you know, Rue's civilization was worshipping it as a god, but it as a creature couldn't care less about them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which is, I think the reason it's considered not a deity, it does not care for any of the humans that it is around. Neither did Andreas. Exactly. Which is why he's a wolf spirit. He's a god. But did Oribashi? I can't remember if Oribashi did. Only for the people of Inconomia, who you could also say weren't human. Well, I personally think that Kana was a god, regardless of what everyone else thinks. That is my two cents. I think it's fair. I don't think it's confirmed either way. I just think that A and Shogun would totally be the type of people to rewrite history Mm -hmm. to make it the way they want. And she's already been known to slay gods because she slayed Urabashi. And she saw the Thunder Manifestation as a... Um, like an adherence to progress or something like that with a thunderbird yeah yeah the thunderbird so i could see her being like nope you're another god you might get in my way yeah that was at a time when she was like really trying to exert the archon will and and create progress for the people of of inazuma so she was like we're just gonna kill everything (laughs) take over everything but to backtrack back to the Surumi Island pre-Thunderbird, Thunderbird was alive. Yes. Kana was around because 
it was all stormy stormy yeah and we don't know do we know a lot about the people of surumi island pre-thunderbird we know the no we but we do know the remains right so the people from my understanding please anyone interject too from my understanding the people of surumi island the og nation the og peoples that live there they were vibing it is thought that they might possibly have worshipped Celestia in a similar way that Salva Dagnir did. And they were, we think, sky-nailed because Kana can remember seeing objects come down from the heavens. And then Kana was kind of like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> she did <laughs> not care at all. Yeah, she says, Notice that some strange objects fell from the heavens and landed upon Surumi Island, producing the fog. Yeah, and she says specifically that strange objects fell from the heavens and one of them landed on Surumi Island, which is what makes us think that it could be a sky nail. And yeah, then it created the fog, which we know the sky nails change the environment, probably because they mess with the ley lines. But like we know the one that fell in the desert turned, you know, like the oases into sand and the one that fell on dragon spine turned a verdant mountain into ice it would make sense if it created the you know the fog and it fell from the sky possibly celestia the only issue right now i mean similar to the desert we don't know where the sky nail like the remnants of it is we know where it is in dragon spine and in the chasm but nowhere can we find it on sarumi island right yeah, I would like to believe that the sky nail fell in one of the peaks because of the holes. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense to me. But then where, like, you know how in Dragonspine, the remains of it are there. But do, well, we do know right after that happened, the people of Dragonspine kind of died and no other civilization came back for it and settled. Oh, that's possible that the people who after after the sky nails came down kind of repurposed whatever the fuck it was mm-hmm. and just decided we're gonna do what we can yeah i mean nothing really seemed to be like inhabitable like think of dragon spine after the sky nail it's frozen like people couldn't live there that easy in the chasm there was noxious gas and stuff like that exactly yeah this is the first spot that we know of that really seems to leave itself as an inhabitable location yeah and what i find very interesting is there isn't a lot of proof to it the quote-unquote nation that is gone is underground from what we can tell and there are a lot of murals, murals, which are very similar to the fontas that we have in Salvignor, a.k.a. Dragonspine. The fontas? You mean frescas? Oh, frescas! <laughs> I, I got like, you! Did we go to Merapi? <laughs> Sorry, I have freaking Fontaine in my head! You got Fontaine <laughs> on the brain! <laughs> Can I have an orange, please? I'll take a lemon, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the remnants are under ground and they're like under the water in one of those dark spots which is always sus to me and you can only get to them by either entering through shirikoru peak or chirai shrine i know i'm mm-hmm. kind of like butchering them please have mercy on me but the idea is either that those people completely died off or they emerged from underground similar to watasumi and they created the next nation that started to worship the thundering manifestation thunderbird whatever you want to call kana i definitely think if like the majority maybe have died off and at at a certain point they're underground they're like fuck it we're gonna try and see if we can get up there and then they probably from there established the civilization that worshiped kana because when when going through the murals and i want to give credit to felix felius on reddit for the translations of these murals because everything is uh in latin which is kind of that's that's such an interesting thing i would love to go in depth of like why the oldest civilization or human civilizations continually use latin or like the cipher to undecode these need latin specifically which could show like many different like theories like oh my god but a few of them like the first mural that we find which is on mount kana its latin translation is i believe in stellar bias fragmentus 
Serpentia absconditur. Wait, you said the murals on Mount Kana or of Mount Kana? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of Mount Kana. Sorry. That's okay. I was like, I wait a second. I was like, wait. I don't know why whenever I look at Mount Kana and then like the actual illustration, I don't know why it doesn't look the same. Mm. But I'm also... Things have changed. Things have changed. Erosion as Zhongli would say. But that translation is wisdom is concealed in stellar fragments. So we know that fragments in pieces, in star pieces, celestial pieces, ooh, we're getting further. The one referencing Mount Shirakokoru, I think there's a couple of different translations. (laughs) Uh, mostly because some of the words are a little difficult to see on the actual mural in game, but I believe that they basically were able to translate it to hic tikitos primat color argenta, possibly. This this is a bit debated, but that kind of translates loosely into the silent heat flows through silvers. AKA Paimon. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think they went back to translate it and there's like, it's the silent silvery heat flows through, soaks into here, the silent silvery heat permeates. And reading that kind of makes me think of like how the pillars are usually always white or silvery, Mm -hmm. which, which could be this like molten heat that comes down when they, you know, collapse into the earth kind of like a meteorite and then one of the other ones the unnamed mountain i'm real bad at using uh latin because i've never really learned it um the translation is to the watchful the sky is fake which again we learn in 1.1 in with scaramouche now wanderer like we learn the sky isn't real it's all fake these people in their murals are saying to the watchful, to those that know, to those that are observant, know the sky is fake. And then we got some more, mostly of like the worship of the moon, which could be the moon princesses, or it could just be a different version of how they're per- depicting Celestia. It's definitely really interesting too, because, you know, we know that Rue who lived in the Thunderbird worshipping era, mm-hmm. was thousands of years old. So it's like, there's a lot of questions about how old these murals are. I think we can we have at least some semblance because with one of these translations, it says, we chased boys and girls are under the protection of the moons. So it's got to be three 6,000 years. Yeah, because they do depict the moon a lot in the murals, even without the Latin. And it kind of shows like them worshiping the moon. And then all of a sudden you find one that has Celestia in it. It's, you know, they draw Celestia very specifically and the moon is gone. So it does make me wonder if these were people who worship the moon princesses. And when shit got real (laughs) and Celestia maybe crash landed onto, but they realized very quickly that they had to worship Celestia. But and Brandon, you know more about this than I do, but it seems almost like they were a part of the unified nation. And I mainly think that because I feel like everywhere we assume has been part of the unified nation has a circle door. And I know that's like the dumbest reason to <laughs> believe it, but but it makes sense. I mean, architecture is a, it's a giant symbol for civilizations. You know, you see a lot of repeating pieces. I mean, you think of even the ones that we see above ground. They're very unique. So I, I, I think it's actually a, a very good hypothesis. And my like, there's even on Narukami Island, the underground ruins too. And even those have like the circular door involved in them. Mm-hmm. So it really does beg a lot of questions, especially because over there is where the perpetual mechanical array is. So it's <laughs> like, you know, if they were related to Conria in any sense, that would yeah. make sense to me. But I don't know. It's very interesting. Well, we also have the frescoes that in Dragonspine and on Surumi, like Tiff was saying, if these were two isolated civilizations, they would have probably had far different depictions, but these are so similar mm-hmm. with such similar architecture. And I, I'd be very hard convinced to say that these were two separate, like non-related civilizations. Mm. 
I agree. Yeah, no, we know that there was a unified civilization before Conria that spanned the world, basically. And isn't the ruin serpent in the chasm supposed to be from that civilization as well, Brandon? We do know that the chasm had the older civilization in it that predated Conria because we remember that from when we meet Dainsleaf in the in the chasm. Yeah. And we see that upside down city. And he actually confirms that it seems like that that it predates Conria. So there's also some stuff going on um in the desert that we'll talk about in next week's episode that indicates that there were machines being created prior to Conria. So we do know that there there was that technology around before Conria rose as a nation or <laughs> went down as a nation. <laughs> down with the down into the earth. Because I think I remember reading with the Ruin Serpent that it's like technology older than Conria or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> pre-Thunderbird, Surumi Island was living their best life when we assume the heavenly principles slash Celestia slash whoever the heck is up there drop the schedule on them, our favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And eventually, somehow or another, whether they crawled up from the basement of Surumi Island or somehow new people appeared, whatever it might be, a new civilization formed on Surumi Island and they worshipped the Thunderbird. Thunderbird! How interesting that they're going to worship does not give a fuck about them. Yeah, I really couldn't care less. (laughs) Couldn't care less. Like, the only human that Kana cared about was Rue. And they did him so dirty. They did her so dirty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, before we jump into the poor, unfortunate soul of Rue, why don't we talk a little bit about this new nation? We are now in what Al called the Thunderbird <laughs> era Thunder of the Bird. nation. So we know that they worship the Thunderbird. We know that they couldn't leave Surumi Island because the Sky Nail had created an immense fog, which they called the Sea of Darkness, we think. And we also know this was like thousands of years ago. Still no idea what thousands of years ago means. Yeah, I mean, this would have been shortly after the Sky Nail in theory. So we're thinking what, maybe 4,000, 6,000? We know from Fontaine lore that the Sky Nails were sent down shortly before the Archon War started. Oh, interesting. And that was 2,600 years ago? That's when That's when it ended. I think the Archon War concluded, yeah, that was sort of when it ended, like around 2000. Yeah, because that it's a little confusing or, you know, you kind of have to make a little bit of an assumption because where some things seem like a specific spot in history, we don't know if it, it could have taken 10 days, it could have taken 10 years, it could have taken a thousand years. Right. I guess with the Archon War, I've always thought that it lasted 600 years because we hear 2000 years ago and 2600 years ago in different areas. So I always thought maybe like that it lasts. I don't know. That could just be me making shit up. We know that the Archon War was going on in Mondstadt 2,600 years ago, because that is when Venti basically took on the form of the Bard when they went against Dick Arabian. Mm, True, true. Oh, another sad story. But we do know that the people of Surumi Island worship the Thunderbird. And they were called shamans and priests, depending on who you, like, talk to in different lore pieces. But we do know that there was a man named Mata, 
Um, he was the last priest to ever practice on Surumi Island. And this man had a son, and his son name was Rue, and Rue was very social, loved singing, but was kind of embarrassed about it. Very Gene-esque, you know, TDT to a few <laughs> episodes ago. And he would just go to sing to the fog alone, which I found was like so sadly foreboding for him well they were probably used to it at that point they were probably like oh the <laughs> fog it's just like you know the air it's just you know london town yeah and he was going to he was chosen to actually be a singer in one of their sacrificial ceremonies for their worshiping of the thunderbird so he really needed to like practice good because he was gonna be not just singing as he was doing his work but actually like in front of everybody in this very special ceremony they were so used to the fog by the way that those instruments the mashiro they would actually use them to find each other in the fog just as a society right yeah which i have so many questions about still like they were like we'll use we'll find a way to find each other yeah so i could see him being like, I'm going to go off by myself and practice for this creepy ceremony <laughs> that yeah. also feels normal. He was very No Fear Shakespeare, that kid. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you grow up in fog. In an, a creepy cult that yeah. sacrifices, <laughs> yeah. sacrifices people to a giant bird that doesn't care about them. Yes. <laughs> so one day, Rue went out on his singing adventure on his own to go sing to the fog and, you know, depressing land. Do you think he had loneliness syndrome? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean... You live in a call. I don't think he did. He was a happy kid. He was very excited about all of this situation. So, well, I guess when your dad's a priest in that yeah. situation, you're like, human sacrifice is the best. Yeah. I mean, you either go with it or be sacrificed. <laughs> I mean, and then he was singing and the, the Thunderbird literally talked to it, like came down to him. So he was probably like really living his, like loving his life at that point. Cause the Thunderbird was like, what is this beautiful singing? It sounds like nothing I've ever heard before. And uh, kind of becomes like a little BFF for for Rue for a short amount of time. Rue's like, thanks, girl. Yeah. <laughs> You're cute, too. Yeah. <laughs> Love those nails. Love those feathers. So Kana does come down and talk with Rue and be like, yo... You're a great singer, like y'all just said. And then as Kana's getting ready to leave, they kind of hang out for a little bit together. And then as Kana's getting ready to leave, Kana is like, I'll be back to hear you sing again. And Rue's like, yeah, no problem. Like, I'll be here. Sounds great. And then she kind of got real on the island. Yeah. They, there was a lot of drama. <laughs> and then Rue realized he should have kept his mouth shut. <laughs> well, no, Rue was like happy to go along with that. I mean, he was happy about it, but in the long run, he should have just been like, zip it, kid, that the Thunderbird talked to you. Because now everybody's like, oh, the mm. Thunderbird loves Rue. We should just kill him and sacrifice him. Well, it actually was Rue's idea. Yeah. Rue volunteered as a sacrifice and like told his father that he thought he should be sacrificed. And that he saw it as like this great honor because mm -hmm. he got to meet Kana and he felt like Kana would appreciate that. And his dad was kind of like, okay, cool. Great idea. Let's do this shit. Parent of the year. This is like the one kid who should have been an orphan. Like would have been better oh, yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> would have been better off. Than oh, this is what happens when someone's not an orphan in this game. <laughs> so Rue ends up being sacrificed <laughs> like gruesomely gruesomely they sacrificed drain his blood and they fill it in a cup a golden goblet a goblet yeah and it's the same goblet in your thundering fury artifact set in case any of you have that on one of your characters you have a little bit of a ruse dried blood in there taking that off all my characters let's not forget let's not forget they bathed in his blood. No, no <laughs> bathing. They bathed in his blood. I had to bring it. I will say though, hearing that like Rue was alive and they drained his blood and everything, did it did anyone watch the new Sabrina to like the final <laughs> season? I gave up on no, it. I show. gave up on it. <laughs> I did. Thank you for Brandon and other travelers who, have, who watched the new <laughs> Sabrina show to the end. You know when they're like draining her blood and the one scene onto the table? Mm -hmm. That's literally all I could think about is oh, Rue and Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sad. Sabrina. The new Sabrina lost its shit at the end, but I definitely still cried at the end. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I would, But I would watch anything with Michelle Gomez. True. She's great. So anyway, back to... <laughs> dead rue and his blood in a goblet so they leave this goblet out 
for Kana. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Kana comes back. She's and like, they, like what? they slit his throat. It was so <laughs> funny. Oh my god! I know it's because like Kana comes back and literally like looks at it and is like, "What is this shit?" You know, like all those memes of like cats just knocking things off tables. That's how I imagine Kana. Being like, what the fuck? She gets confused because she can't hear Rue anymore. And then she smells the blood and knows that's Rue. Didn't she see his body too? I can't remember if she saw the body. I think she sees his body, his like smells the blood, but then sees sees the blood and his dead body. Oh yeah, she saw the boy dead and his blood within the sacrificial cup. Love it. Kill Bill Siren. Driven mad from rage and sorrow, she raced the entire mountain with lightning, killing everyone in the tribe to avenge him. She just murdered the entire tribe. You know, yeah, understandable. And you know what? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, is it really understandable, though? Yeah. You know, killing a whole tribe? Because there were people there who had no say in the sacrifice either. Here's the thing. This is a deity that isn't even asking for a sacrifice. Is does not give a fuck what these humans are doing. And these humans believed that if they sacrificed themselves or did this ritualistic sacrifice or blood ritual, they'd gain more favor with this deity that literally only cared about Rue. I feel like that honestly proves that these were the leftover people from the prior civilization who were like totally scarred. And we're like, (laughs) if we kill people, maybe they'll let the rest of us live. (laughs) Honestly, probably exactly what they thought. (laughs) So much trauma. Well, they were trying to get rid of the fog. Like that was like their whole reason for like doing the ceremony of like, we know that the Thunderbird's going to get rid of this fog for us one day. Meanwhile, the Thunderbird absolutely had the power to get rid of the fog and just didn't give a shit. <laughs> just watched this night at Skynail come by and was like, eh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like maybe she was over in Sarai Island that day and was just like, what's that? Oh, well. Let me go plume my feathers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just doing her nails, yeah. sharpening her beak. <laughs> I will say, you know, you guys just mentioned too, everyone died who was on the island. There were a few people who had already, quote unquote, left the island. Yeah. Some of them had kind of watched Kana go to Sarai Island and followed Sue and tried to like follow her, quote unquote, light there. So some people did survive. Like there are, there's one known ancestor of Surumi Island alive, but I would assume there are more. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, anyone who's related to Kama. Kama. Who will talk about Kama, not Kana, in a second. Not C-O-M-A. You (laughs) You just spelled coma. (laughs) I can't. Look, I can spell on paper, but in, I can't do it as I speak. (laughs) What are words? (laughs) They're a construct. So Kana comes down, kills everyone. Kana then curses the island. And to uh, make everyone who died relive the destruction of the island over and over for all Mm -hmm. eternity. And she's like, peace out. I'm moving to Sarai for good. Mm -hmm. I got my new roost. Mm -hmm. I ain't coming back. No longer do I have a summer home. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a question about this. It's another curse. Like, I feel like lately the trend has been curses, curses, curses. And now I'm realizing that curses have really been there the entire time. It it does kind of lend credence to the idea that maybe she was a god, by the right, way. Right, right. But also we know that the Adepti, we think, can also do curses. And they're, are they technically... They're, they're gods. Technic- are they gods? I think so. I mean, it's a little unclear, but they're godlike if they're not they're pretty damn close to it if not maybe a little bit more a little bit more than a god i feel like it sometimes you feel like i mean maybe it's just cloud retainer is just that impressive that i'm like she could take down more acts in a minute i don't know if cloud retainer is impressive or full of herself wow same thing <laughs> wow Them are all she needs to do words, is exude the confidence that's true we're they about say... to start debate club number two nah <laughs> talking shit about Cloud one Retainer. does not tolerate 
shit talking <laughs> of cloud retainer i mean i've Damn. never been the biggest cloud retainer fan obviously you wouldn't Damn. say her name in vain <laughs> i would rather deal with madam ping all day every day nah or just xiao I'd rather just deal with a Yaksha instead. <laughs> deal with Xiao, who was speaking of people or things that want nothing to do with humans or you at all. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Xiao. Xiao. <laughs> let me let me just quote Tiff right now on saying in last week's episode when we were talking about Xiao showing up to Baiju, said Xiao is infatuated with us. Yeah. <laughs> that is a direct quote, basically, from I Tiff. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> wow. But Xiao hates, well, Xiao likes us, but he hates everyone. Everybody. Yeah, but I think like I could bring on the charm and Zhao could like me just like he likes the traveler. Well, you are living in a delusion. <laughs> like traveler in general, like everybody loves traveler, no matter because what. Like, they we smell could, like star farts, man. If we actually <laughs> like went and did actually eat Paimon as emergency food, people would be like, well, that was the best thing she could have ever done. Like they would have loved us for it. If you look really closely, Zhao is always trying to get his face close to the traveler's butt. <laughs> So they can ah! sniff those star farts. No. Oh my God. All I'm going to say is that this is basically a self-insert. That's why the traveler doesn't say too much. It's to make you feel like you are the traveler. Therefore, I am the traveler and Zhao loves me. So I just can't believe you guys would suggest that. I just can't what believe that me? you would show such disrespect to Cloud Retainer. <laughs> That's He's the real crime here. That is the real crime here. Mm sure <laughs> quote unquote the real crime anywho and that's really the end of any living people on surumi, surumi island but like you guys were saying there's the curse and they're all cursed to now relive this day over and over again and poor rue well he's not cursed to live the day over and over his spirit kind of gets stuck in it mm-hmm. and he they say he dies thousands of times yeah. over and over. Because he, he thinks something went wrong with the ceremony and that he needs to do it right and do it over again. So he but, basically gets himself ready to be chopped up again. Yeah, so he just tries to make the ceremony work over and over again, thinking that that'll break the curse. But in reality, that that would never break the curse because what he is currently in is called the cycle of a residual haunting Welcome to a new paranormal podcast with your host, <laughs> Al. I'm going to talk deep shit about a residual haunting. It's literally a loop. He's in and stuck and aware that he is in a loop because they're all ghosts. They're all dead. And he can't interact with any of the other ghosts, right? No. Like, it's just him. That's the worst part. Yeah. I mean, the the, go- the other ghosts kind of like repeat parts of the like things that had happened and we as the traveler do see that actually occurring while we're there along with our our little guide that's with us so like it's surprising that rue doesn't also see that but i guess because he's kind of stuck in this different kind of dimension like the it's almost blamed on the ley lines and what had happened years thousands of years ago with the sky nail quote-unquote sky nail that we think is the sky nail but you know so he's probably in a little bit of a different area but yeah we're like the first person he's talked to well no that's not true because other people have been there oh yes i'm sorry and he's forced them all to go down the same freaking like try to redo So welcome to what we call a both interactive and residual haunting where one entity can interact and the rest are stuck in the loop and the interactive is stuck in the loop, but also knows that it's a loop. Poor Rue, like, it's so wise behind his years for a baby. Well, I mean, is he a baby at this point? He's not a baby anymore. Thousands of years old. I mean, he's not doing any maturing. He's just repeating. <laughs> yeah, he's repeating like six months of his life over and over again. Yeah, exactly. For thousands of years. And like, he does it perfectly each time, but it was never going to be perfect because it was never, you know, ever going to achieve. <laughs> yeah, it was God. never going to break the curse itself. So, but he don't know that. He's just like, I'm going to be a good boy and I'm going to keep doing this. And maybe then Thunderbird will be happy with me. Because like this kid now thinks that the Thunderbird who once loved him for his singing thinks he's not enough or like that he messed it up somehow. Like, so he's got this guilt as well. I mean, he kind of did though, because he got himself sacrificed. He didn't get himself sacrificed. 
he actively well he did yeah yeah I mean, I guess he, he volunteered did. himself he, he volunteered himself but the whole curse is that she's mad that he broke the promise that they were going to see each other again and he was going to sing to her again and he broke that promise and it isn't until the end of the quest where the curse of like the broken promise is actually fully realized right so a, a ton of people basically go and they visit Surumi Island and Rue gets all these people to unwittingly help him. <laughs> and they don't really realize it's happening. I honestly don't even think Rue realizes how long he's been around. I think he thinks it's like the next day over and yeah, over again. For sure. But that actually brings us the present time. So thousands of years later. And this brings us back to Sumita, who we talked about in like the first six minutes of this episode. And Sumita is an author... She is feeling some inspiration and she is interested in getting this instrument that they used to use to find each other in the fog. And she has commissioned the Adventurers Guild and many people and no one has been able to get it for her yet. So we go out there with her bestie slash boo, Kama, not to be confused with Kana. And this is when we go through our own phase of helping Rue relive his death again. And we do. We finish the sacrifice again. Rue lets us leave, gives us the instrument. Um, we find out that that instrument wasn't real. Mm-hmm. It disappears from your inventory and everything. So we go back to the island because now Sumita's like, I thought you had this. And we're like, shit. So we go back with Kama back to the island. And this is when Rue actually recognizes us, right? And is like, oh, you're back. And this is when we find out the whole truth of Rue, and we actually help Rue get in touch with Kana, the Thundering Manifestation. Well, what's now the Thundering Manifestation, we'll talk about that in a second. But we get the Thunderbird and Rue back together for the final song. Yes, we're able to find a way to bring Rue over to Seria, where the remnants of the Thunderbird still exists. And the reason we're able to do that is because we have a pinion feather from her. So he's able to kind of like hold on to that and leave the island because he's technically still somehow connected to the fog at that point. So we get that feather by going to Sarai Island. And after doing this long quest, we find out that back, you know, after, of course, the the Thunderbird kills everyone on Surumi Island and is just hanging out on Sarai Island. Eventually, A kills the Thunderbird. And knowing that it could potentially have, you know, a residual effect on the area after its death also lends itself to the theory that it is a god. And this was like post-cataclysm, right? This was pre-cataclysm. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if this was like when A was the Archon or when Makoto was the Archon. No, this is pre-cataclysm. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to clarify. Because because th- she kills the Thunderbird and then they create the Asase Shrine, which is that shrine with the talking cat Nico. But after the Thunderbird is killed and they create it to suppress the lingering hatred that could be left over after killing the Thunderbird. And then later, after the Cataclysm, the wards that were sealing that you know, potential hatred from the Thunderbird end get broken. And that's when that hatred forms itself into the Thundering Manifestation, which is sort of like, that's the boss that we fight. And it kind of looks like an Electro-Oceanid in a way. Like it almost looks like Rodea, but purple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, that's the manifestation of like the lingering bitterness and hatred of, or, or I guess it's the lingering regret of the thunderbird and so traveler defeats the thundering manifestation and after defeating it receives a magical thunderbird feather and that's what we take back to the island and we're eventually able to figure out that in order to break the curse the thunderbird needs to hear Rue sing again but the thunderbird's dead but since we have this magical feather we're able to use that feather to sort of anchor Rue to it because anytime Rue would try to leave the island, he would just disappear and show back up on the island. So it would reset him sort of similar to how we, the fog would reset us if we stray too far into it. If he tried to leave the island, he would just wake up on the island again. So in order to get him off the island, we have to use this magic Thunderbird feather the, the powers of that, since they think that that is sort of what was affecting the part, the ley lines and creating the fog in the first place and the curse, you know, it's kind of like a convenient, like a plot convenient thing where 
the feather somehow allows him to keep his form and travel off the island as long as he's connected to it. So he touches the feather, we get him to Sarai Island, and in the meantime, they're scared to tell him that Thunderbird died. So they're, <laughs> they make up the story of like, oh, um, yeah, up there in the clouds above this Sarai Island, um, the Thunderbirds, you know, she's up there and she's raising all of her babies that she had, and <laughs> everything's fine, but she's not going to be able to come down to be the audience for your singing, but I'm sure she'll hear it, and things will be great as soon as you start singing. <laughs> and... <laughs> Another part of Genshin, lying to children. Yeah, but Rue actually has figured it out and is like, it's fine. Like, I already know. I understand what happened to me, and I know that the same thing probably happened to her. But he sings the beautiful song, and it makes another feather appear. They t- they take that feather back to the island, and Rue uses it at, uh, I think it's Mount Kana, maybe? It's mm-hmm. one of the mountains. And it basically breaks the curse and the island, you know, is finally freed of the fog. And then that's when we're like, let's take you out. Like, we know a little girl in Mossad that's about your age and you're going to have so much fun, like seeing, you know, the outside of of this island. But then it's sort of like reality sets (laughs) in. And Rue says he's tired. Yeah. But then doesn't Rue let us keep the feather and says that like, he'll get to see the world Mm -hmm. he asks us to take the feather with us on our travels this way it would fulfill his wish of seeing the world and traveling Mm -hmm. because part of his spirit is still connected to the feather but it it definitely feels like he's like going to be at rest finally yeah after thousands of years i mean i would imagine that his soul is a little bit tired like yeah can we stop this now same thing over and over (laughs) and a little side note because i can't ever give up a point of talking about the teapot but you can pick up a spin crystal which i'm sure everybody has seen all over the place of those little donut shaped golden things and you can get his song and you can play his song in the teapot and it's beautiful and it oddly enough sounds like the caroline song from poltergeist to me which is a beautiful song but it's a little creepy (laughs) so creepy but it reminds me of it so much yeah i could definitely hear that la 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 you know from there it's like there's nothing left to come from surumi island except for maybe a sky nail (laughs) (laughs) it needs a a little sky nail (laughs) i will say something that i find interesting to go back to not the fontas but the frescas (laughs) frescos frescos i was like wait did you just go to another soda a different soda (laughs) soda. i'm thirsty (laughs) (laughs) so uh, they go back to the paintings, make my life a little easier. In a lot of the paintings, too, there are diamonds that kind of look like us and like uh, us and our sibling when we descend on this world. And or a wish. <laughs> or a wish, whatever yeah. you prefer. And I just think it's really interesting. It almost feels like they're showcasing the story of Tavat in the murals, which confuses me. And the main reason it confuses me is because on each of the individual murals of the mountains, which Al referenced earlier, there is a star on each of them. It almost feels like the Descenders landed at Surumi Island somehow, or wherever these murals, you know, from the standpoint of where the murals are, maybe that's where they saw those Descenders come down. I don't know how true that is, how, you know, crack theory that is, but it does feel like the OG people of Surumi Island watch the Descenders come. Yeah, yeah it could be. I would. I had an- another thought that maybe they're supposed to represent the Sky Nails. Oh. Because we don't really know for sure how many of those there were yet. Yeah. But I was, I love the idea that it, it's the Descenders, but in some of them, there are what, five yeah, stars, that's- but then in one of them, there's six, right? So that confused me. And because I at first I was like, ooh, this makes total sense because in the first font, uh, the first star shown and the third one are sort of blank, like they're not filled in with color like the other ones. And I was like, well, that makes sense because so you have the dragons represented as the first blank star because they were overtaken by the first descender, the primordial one. So that would be the first filled in star. And you have the second who came, who's the second filled in star. And then the the next star is also blank, which would be 
the war between um, Nibelung and the other dragons when they tried to take back the throne from the primordial one, but then ultimately failed. So then that one would also be not filled in. And then you have, that could have been like the third descender in theory, just a personal theory I'm working on. And then after that, you would have the traveler being the fourth descender, which is another filled in star. So I love that idea at first, but then one of the murals has an extra star, which kind of throws that theory out the window unless of course there's a fifth descender that we don't know about yeah we've never been told that there is or isn't a fifth descender correct Mm -hmm. right we just know it's not we know our siblings not a descender right like in theory they should be one but for some reason they're not considered a descender and you know brandon i don't know which one you're referring to as like the first mural but the mural with the circle that kind of looks like a sun has the two blank stars that i think you're right could represent the dragons Mm mm-hmm I think the one with the little pyramids, too. So the one with the pyramids, from what I can see, at least, only has four stars. And the third one is blank. So I really feel like they could be suggesting that, like, they watched those descenders come down while they were still worshipping the moon. And that honestly suggests that we have been in this goddamn nation for a lot longer than we thought. Yes. But then, you know, there's the room that's full of the three. It has three murals on it. And that one has the different mountains. And there's a star for each mountain, which almost feels like they're saying, like, there were three descenders left. And then you could see Celestia in the sky. So I don't know. I have a lot of questions about it. And it's crazy because I don't think any of us would have ever tried to put the pieces together of that until finishing the Fontaine Archon line. Actually, in that one with the pyramids, if you look closely, it looks like there's only four, but there is a fifth one that's up in the upper left. It's just sort of behind the base of that branch that's coming out. Oh my like god. By yeah. the cobweb. Oh. Okay. So new crack theory. Isn't it rumored that the primordial one might have died? Or is it the second who came, right? Didn't one of them die? We don't know for sure. We know someone defeated somebody. Yeah. But we, but actually, we know from Fontaine that the primordial one and the second who came teamed up to create the Gnosis after you know the war of vengeance of Nibelung and the and the dragons. So, what if it's like totally possible that our sibling is after? Like, I don't know. It's just like there's so many questions because like we know our sibling has to be a descender. Like, we know things are just messed up in Ermensul, <laughs> right. and in leads me to believe that our sibling might be considered the fifth descender possibly or maybe our siblings actually the third descender and the second descender is the one who died or maybe it's possible we're the fifth descender and our sibling is the fourth like we know ermin soul is messed up i thought we were the confirmed fourth well we don't actually know though because ermin soul has been changed yeah the fatui have us listed as the fourth which is also you know sus like the fact that we're going by a list made by the Fatui. Yeah, exactly. And for any travelers who just listen to that and are like, oh my God, what are they talking about? We are going to have all these screenshots of the murals on our website. So definitely make sure to check them out and go back and re-listen to that section. <laughs> <laughs> I'll number them too. So this way it'll make it a little easier. <laughs> Is I think this was the first quest that I had an existential crisis. <laughs> the first one? <laughs> It, it took that long. <laughs> Look, Tepe, Tepe died, but that was in war. Like that was like, yeah, you know, so, something. This was just like completely. I mean, there are many like really unfair shit, but it's this little innocent boy, innocent boy, drained of his blood. It definitely, it definitely took you by surprise because the way it starts out with Sumita and her never-ending dialogue oh my god <laughs> she just won't stop going off on tangents and you're like oh my god get to the freaking point and so then you go to this foggy island and you're like this is annoying like the mechanics are kind of like whatever the rift towns yeah it's like you're, you're kind of just like i thought it was sort of a headache and like annoying up until it got closer to the end and then i started like wait once I realized that there were sacrifices going on, mm-hmm, yeah. I started getting interested. And then by the end of it, when there's the little cutscene of him singing, 
it really just punches you in the gut in a way yeah. that you're not expecting at all. You're like, holy shit. So it was definitely like a big tonal departure mm-hmm. of what we had seen in the game up until that point where like, oh, they're not afraid to go like really melancholic and sad in a, a way that is different. Yeah, because we as we're the hero. And even though there have been many times where we can't save everybody, we've at least tried and we've at least been able to avenge or make things right. And in this situation, like we can make things right, but they're all dead anyway. Right. Yeah. There, so there's no one left to be, be able to say Rue's sacrifice wasn't in vain. The only people who can, it was us. And and then when we go, no one's going to remember Rue. Unless Sumita writes about Rue, which would be nice. Because we do meet up afterwards back with Sumita. Just this is inconsequential to the, a little bit more of the story. But um, we do meet up with her and our guide, Kama. Like we kind of see them. They get along really well. And mm. we're like, kind of like, mm, what you guys doing? And then you can actually run into them in Leeway in Leeway Harbor at, a, mm-hmm. at one of the vendors. And they'll talk to you a little bit about Avaz. And then after you've talked to them there, they'll all of a sudden pop up in the Mountstadt Library. And you talk to them again about actually flowers for official, as we, we mentioned in our official episode. Mm-hmm. And various melancholy. Yes. And uh, the Sumidia will say that she hopes to see us again at the end, kind of a like in a very mysterious way or hopes that things will kind of go the way that they do in these storybooks. And we haven't seen her pop up again in like Sumer, in Inazuma. Uh, well, then obviously they started in Inazuma, but we didn't see them go to like Sumeru or Fontaine yet, but I'm really hoping that we run into them because it's one of those little small, non-consequential fun things that just pop up mm-hmm. in the game that I just think are entertaining. I wonder if they found a way to get into the restricted section of the library behind that mysterious door. Oh, that would be awesome. And that's why we don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They actually disappeared. I know when I first saw them in Monset too, I was like, what? I was like, who are you? Yeah, doing traveling. And she hasn't finished her novel yet. So throughout all of this, she is still trying to write something and she just hasn't. Which now it seems like there's like, well, you know, we can just travel around more and do research. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She's a little dick blind at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, goodness and you're not wrong (laughs) you know i do want to say one more thing i thought i was done but i'm not i have one more thing to say and it's because al brought up rift towns oh fucking rift towns fucking i hate them so as we know the rift towns were one of gold's creations at the most down low area because i know it's technically not south because this map isn't actually north south east west drives me nuts but at what i would like to call the southernmost tip of surumi island we have the golden wolf lord which is just crazy. And also something that Rue noted is that he could tell the time was changing because all of a sudden hilly trolls and rift towns were on the island and they had never been there before. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this poor kid all of a sudden was like, I'm the only thing here to monsters. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, the golden rift town is there. And on top of my whole, like the unified civilization has circle doors theory. I also feel like anywhere that a sky nail happened, there either was or it created like a portal to the abyss. And so I think it's really interesting that the golden wolf Lord happens to be there. It makes me wonder if the sky nail actually hit over in that area. And maybe there was possibly more Island there originally because it really is like out across the sand bridge, Mm -hmm. but we don't know a lot about the golden wolf Lord. The (laughs) rift town is called a twisted beast from another world and is the ruler of the rift wolves, which by being ruler of the rift towns, that means you could actually command the other rift towns to dissolve space itself. What? Yes. Yes. That direct quote wields mm-hmm. the power to command that other rift towns to dissolve space itself well yeah that's how they operate because they're sort of like the harbingers of the abyss so they the rift hounds will basically scratch at space time to like create an opening into the abyss and we saw that in Raiden Shogun's second storyline right where they mm-hmm. were like scratching away at the roots Yes. 
So the only other things we know about the Golden Wolf Lord is that he's from a dark place. And this he is a ruler of the Black Wolves that has a power to call upon its followers and their hidden claws to dissolve space itself. There's no name for the person, but it was one of Gold's unintentional creations. Ugh, how many unintentional creations does that woman have? A lot. I know, and the only, like, intentional ones really seem to be Alanis and Albedo for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Albedo. He's like, dragon, 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 me. Well, what about Durin? Was Durin on purpose? I never remember. Oh, I, I guess so. he fed all of her bad creations to Durin, right? Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he's uh, so fucked up. He's so fucked up. But basically, because the Wolf Lord knows that it was an unintentional creation, it thrives off of invading worlds that it doesn't belong to and making a name for itself. Damn. Um, And it makes note that the wolf pack, as they call them, is very smart. It says, quote unquote, after suffering a defeat in its previous invasion, which we could assume is the Cataclysm, a deserted island where no humans or protectors dwell has been selected for them to prepare for their lord's descent. Mm. So is gold going to descend upon us too? I got questions, damn it. Well, we don't know for sure that gold is their lord, especially if she created them by accident. They might serve some other master that's in the abyss. But what if they're also trying to prove themselves to gold? They might, yeah, they might be. I'm I'm not saying it's not gold. I'm just saying it could be something else. Cause we know that there's all these like weird consciousnesses floating around in the abyss that gold was just sort of like zapping over and like creating bodies for. <laughs> you, you know, even with Skirk and the things that you find out from her, like there are just like other entities and like it's entirely possible that there are like hierarchies within the abyss. I hope there's a lot we don't know when we start to learn more about it. Before we deep dive too much into the abyss, I think that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you, travelers, for crying with us. I hope you brought enough tissues for today. Next week, we are going to be talking about Lilipar in a second part to our Gods of the Desert episode that we did last season. So we'll be following up on what happens after the gods disperse and uh, where little par, little Ginny comes into all of this. Until then, safe journeys, travelers. We'll see you next time. Bye, ghost nerds. Bye.